Good morning, everyone. Thank you, guys, for leading us in worship. Trust that you've been encouraged at home um, by those songs and um, just that we can enjoy God, though we are separated out in different places. And um, I want to talk this morning, following on in my own personal series that I've been doing in, in, on the gospel, talked about grace um, and talked about the invitation into love, the love of God. Um, last time I spoke, I talked about the urgency of the gospel in relation to the impending judgment on sinners. And um, today I want to talk about um, this uh, phrase or this um, command, or not so much a command, but a declaration of Jesus in Acts 1, 6 to 8. And um, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And um, the important thing about this statement is, uh, and this is what I want to focus on today really, is that we can talk about mission, we can talk about reaching out, sharing the gospel, and we equate all of those things with this term evangelism. But Jesus doesn't say here that you will be my evangelists. He uses the word witnesses. And he also says you shall be rather than you need to be or you have to be. He says, you shall be. And I just want us to spend some time, and I hope to encourage you to not only be as we are, being witnesses, but to be witnesses and understand the things that can stop that, but also to release us from this burden of expectation and guilt that often can come on us if we don't believe we are evangelists. So, but before I move on, I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you for your gospel we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the good news of what he has done. And Lord, we thank you that as we consider your gospel, we, we are blessed abundantly by the truth that it's not by our own works, but it's by our faith in you, by trusting and relying in you that we are saved. Lord, thank you for relieving us and releasing us from the burden of works to work our way into your good books. Lord, thank you, we don't need to do that. And Lord, I want to pray for us as we hear this, Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord, with this whole idea of being a witness, Lord, that we might be your people in these days that will witness of you to others. So Lord, I do just pray you bring these words to life and encourage our hearts and speak to us and minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if you knew this, but the word evangelist only occurs three times in the New Testament. Um, and uh, the word witness can be found a lot more. And so it's interesting that, and, and maybe I'm party to this problem, um, I talk about mission, I talk about reaching out, I talk about the responsibility to share our faith a lot. Um, but there's a reason that I use the word mission. It's because... Um, rather than the word evangelism, because I think evangelism is so full of different connotations, understandings that mislead uh, the point about what Scripture calls us to do. The church is called to God's mission, um, and 
So you might not think there's a distinction between evangelism and God's mission, and, I, and there is. Um, I think the word evangelism, um, which really comes from this word evangelist, um, it, it, it implies that everyone is gifted with the gift of, of the evangelist. Now, I want to talk about that in a minute. But I think that people can feel very guilty or, or disappointed because they try to be an evangelist and then try to convert people they share the gospel message and then nothing happens and they feel like failures or they feel that they're not um, uh, gifted or, or able. Secondly, maybe they feel, or maybe you feel guilty because something inside you really struggles with the whole process of, you know, I've got to preach the gospel, I've got to share the gospel or whatever uh, you may think. Um, or some of you might, might believe that you're not an evangelist um, and for many of us, that could be right. And, uh, but because we don't believe we're evangelists, therefore we do nothing. So what is it, and, I, and this is what I want to encourage us today, as the Bible says, I want to encourage us to be witnesses. If we're evangelists, we need to be evangelists, but to understand the difference between those two things. So what is an evangelist? And we read about the evangelist in Ephesians 4.11, um, and it's one of the fivefold ministries or the five calling gifts, I like to call them. Um, they are gifts of the Holy Spirit and they are there to equip the church for works of service. As it says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. And, um, and I think there's a big question that I'm not going to answer today, which is, what is the role of the evangelist, if you understand it from the perspective of Ephesians 4? If the evangelist is, is there to equip the saints for the work of ministry, what are our expectations of the evangelist? Because many of us might think the evangelist is just simply one who goes and preaches on the streets or door to door and all these kind of things. But I think it's more than that, but I'm not going to look at that today. But just say that's where the word evangelist comes in. Also in Acts 21 verse 8, it mentions Philip, who was one of the first deacons. He was called an evangelist and he had, um, so he had received the gift of the evangelist. And the third place where this is mentioned, Paul instructs Timothy, who's a pastor, clearly a pastor in Ephesus, to do the work of the evangelist. And this may point out that evangelism, or the, the gift of evangelism, was not his primary calling or his gift, but nevertheless, pastors who are responsible for the church need to know how to preach the gospel and give an opportunity for response. So um, this is my understanding of evangelism. It is preaching the good news of Christ's death and resurrection, calling people to repentance, forgiveness of sin, and trust in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. That may take a different forms. It may be street evangelism, it may be door-to-door, maybe one-to-one personal evangelism. But it, it is really about the desire and the passion to bring the message of Jesus, his death and resurrection, our need to repent for forgiveness of sins and offer an opportunity to, to come and give our lives to the Lord or respond to his saving grace. Um, now, we don't all go around doing that. But maybe for some of us listening... There is a passion and a desire to do that and you seek out ways in which you can preach the gospel. And that is what I think is one of the signs of an evangelist. It's someone who does that um, and I think there's something to be said that doesn't necessarily mean um, 
or we have to understand there will be a measure of success in there, but the word success does not mean lots and lots of converts. And there's another big question. But as I said, some may have a design, a passion for the gospel and the sharing of the gospel. They don't have any desire or patience for helping people through their difficulties and counselling and, and all that kind of thing. They're lead up to the pastors and the shepherds. They, they're just interested in sharing the gospel. Um, I'm not saying that evangelists are therefore um, unkind, uh, ungenerous, etc., uh, etc. Et um, but that's their passion. And not everyone has received that gift, but all can do the work of, of the evangelist. And this is where we can learn, like Timothy, to preach the gospel, to understand how to best to communicate it. But this is different to what Jesus said in Acts when he said that we shall be his witnesses. So what is a witness? So we read already, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So when we repent, we believe in faith, trusting in God for our salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit, that's Acts chapter 2, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we, you know, we as Christians are unable to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Holy Spirit in us gives us power that renders our sinful nature powerless. We have power over sin. It's not by pure willpower that we can live a righteous life, but yielding to the power of God that is within us by the Holy Spirit. And because of this power, we shall be witnesses. And this is a crucial thing. Witnessing, being a witness, is a byproduct and outworking of this inward life. It is not necessarily um, saying that it happens very easily because we always have to be God-conscious rather than self-conscious. We have to walk in the Spirit rather than walk in the flesh. We're going to this a bit later because there are some things that we can do to suppress the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but we have to understand that it's the Spirit in us that is enabling us to be a witness. A witness is someone who testifies of what they have seen or heard and is someone who reveals the truth, reality and glory of God through their lives. In other words, people will see God through us as we walk with him. And God throughout history, has, as, as I want to go briefly into this, God throughout history has used witnesses. We see very early on in the Old Testament, God sought a group of people who will be his witnesses. He chose the children of Israel um, that he would reveal to them and they would be a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19 verse 4 to 6 says this, a kingdom of priests, they were to be the mediators between God and mankind. They were to reveal God's glory, reveal his nature. Um, but Israel says in Exodus 20 to Moses, you speak to us, we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. They, the people then chose Moses to become that mediator, that witness, that person who was going to reveal and express God. Even you might remember when he spent time with God, he came back and he shone, if you like, the glory of God, literally. Um, and you see this sign, this witness 
of God's word, his power. And then after Moses, he raised up the prophets who were to bear witness to Israel and to uh, the nations. And then we read in Isaiah that God will raise up a servant, a suffering servant, who will be his chief witness. This is Isaiah 49 and chapter 50 as well. So you see that God is using people, speaking through people, revealing himself through people, and then we see in the New Testament the fulfilment of this great suffering servant, the chief witness that God was sent, Jesus, who came with a testimony. And often in John, he says, talks about his testimony. Every witness has a testimony. Even in a court of law, you will hear the testimony of a witness. And um, it says of Jesus, he is the light of the nations. He is the light of the world. And he came to bring God to man, to reveal God to us. And then we see how Jesus then passes that responsibility onto the church. He says, and you shall be my witnesses. And uh, we read other verses, says, greater things will you do because I go to the Father. And we see this great witness laid, this responsibility or this, um, this life that we have been given as church. And so as Christians, we're brought into this reality of God to express this reality in a world that is in an, another reality, in a, in a, um, uh, where God is truth, the world is living in lies. It's living in an unreality, as it were. And so we are the expression of God's true reality, the true reality of creation, if you understand what I mean. And so we've got something to share because my eyes and our eyes have been opened to the truth. That's what Jesus came to do, isn't it? To give sight to the blind, to unblock deaf ears, though that may be physical, but spiritually more so. You know, we've come into contact with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And therefore, we're not just information carriers. We're not just coming, telling people about what Jesus has done or what, you know, what the Bible says. We're also experience carriers. We're bringing our personal experience of the life of God and what God has done in me and I'm sharing, I'm witness, I'm a witness of what I have seen and heard. I think he says in the beginning of John or John, he says, we declare to you what we have seen and heard and what we have touched because he understood he was a witness and he was sharing his testimony. So we're not just passing on biblical knowledge, we're passing on life-changing stories, real living stories. And so, as I said, a witness shares what they've seen heard and experience and whatever age we're at in the Lord, whether we are young in faith or we've been in, in the faith for a long time, we have something to share because it's about our experience of God, our testimony, our, um, and when I say testimony, I don't mean the story of your conversion, I mean the summing of our life and everyone can have a testimony in the last week when they're conscious of God's work in their life and Often when we don't have a testimony, it's because we haven't been conscious necessarily of what God has been doing, or we don't think our testimony reaches a level of interest that others would be interested in, you know, but there is always a testimony. And this testimony is powerful. We read in Revelation 12, verse 11, when, you know, if you think about if the word here, testimony, meant their conversion story, then I think we've misunderstood it. It says, they conquered him, that is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. 
the testimony, what we are saying about God, what we are, how we are living in our relationship with God, testifies of God. It brings the reality of God's life and his kingdom into all the places in which we exist, into our homes, into our workplaces, into our social environments. And we have this testimony. They knew their God. They testified of God. They bore witness to his majesty, his love, his grace, his power, the cleansing blood of the sacrifice on the cross. And they brought that. And so people need to admit here more than just our conversion story. Um, I'm not saying that we don't share that. And it'd be good to hear what people's conversion story is. But see, as Christians, we live a different life. We have a testimony. We have a witness. We are witnesses to the way that God is working in our lives. So, um, you know, we're in a pandemic, and we, so we show people that what it's like to live with God in our lives and how that works with fear in a pandemic. We reveal that to people. Worry in our finances or conflict in our families, struggles in our bodies, challenge in our relationships, joy in our lives, love and acceptance in God, all of these things, we operate on a different level, with a God-centred level, and we express that into our community, into our families, through our lives. That's our witness. Does that make sense? Looking at people in the room. Good. So when we testify, we witness that people will know the life of God through us. How will people know? I know Romans says, how will they know lest someone goes and preaches? And you can see that as the operation of the gospel, as evangelists operate in preaching. And maybe you've had an opportunity, whether you believe you're an evangelist or not, of sharing the story, the message of the gospel. Um, the witness shares what they know. They're concerned. They're not concerned about what they do not know. So how do we witness? And I just got three things that I want to encourage us with in how to witness. So and the first thing, this very, very important: we enjoy God. Some may know that when I like something, I talk about it. Um, and, I, and I don't mean I mention it in passing. I talk about it, and, uh, and I, not because I like the sound of my own voice, it's because when I like something and I think it's good, I will talk about it. There's lots of smiles in the room. I got into keto last year. <laughs> and I was effectively banned from speaking about it in my Thursday community group. Um, not because they didn't agree with it, but because they had heard it too many times. Um, but, you know, I like going down the gym, or I used to, and, or I still do, but going down there is a bit more challenging these days. And so I would talk about that, been going out for long walks, and I'll talk about that. If I like something, I'll talk about it. Just created a, a brand new breakfast panini in the cafe this week, and it's amazing. And I've been talking about that, or putting it on Instagram. Um, you know, when I enjoy something, I talk about it. That wasn't a plug for fresh ground, but it may as well be mine. Um, but, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. When there's something really good, don't we talk about it? Or do we want to, like, I don't know, keep it to ourselves? Or is there something that wants to sort of try and, like, unless it's a really nice, beautiful spot in the countryside 
by a river and you don't want to tell anyone because once everyone knows, it ceases to be a really nice spot, a bit like Spitzwick in Devon. When in the early days you used to go there, no one knew about it, a beautiful spot. Now it's crowded the last time. I've never been back because it's just so crowded. But, but we, when we enjoy God, we leak Jesus Christ. You know, it's not that we become people that are telling people what they need to do. You need to change your life. You need to get right with God. You're a sinner. That's not the expression of enjoying God. When you enjoy God, you talk about how great he is, how good he is, how wonderful he is, you know, how he's helped and supported me, how he's, you know, really been struggling and been down. But God has been there. I felt the love of God. I was so encouraged by this word in the, in the scripture. Um, we start to talk about and we start to enjoy, our, our joy starts to reveal something about God. Something opens up because we enjoy God. Much like me, um, I can't keep my mouth shut about things I love. That's going to be like Jesus. And I'm not talking about we become the people in society um, um, where we're always turning things around to Jesus as some form of strategy for evangelism. It's just who I am. And I hope, and I don't know, maybe I need to ask people outside the church, I hope people recognise that I'm just being me, not being a pastor or being a Christian. I'm just being me. I just happen to be a Christian. I happen to be someone who loves Jesus and enjoys God. You know, and when we lose our joy in God, and we can lose our joy in God, and, but, and we need to find it again. And, and I, from personal experience, joy can be lost when I'm weary, we can be overcome with the problems of the day. Um, we can neglect our relationship with God for a while, and, and I mean focus time, because I think we all get used to just being aware of God, but, you know, I couldn't live with my, with my family just being aware of them. I need time with them. You know, we can be aware of God, but, but neglect our relationship with God for a while. We can miss church online, Bible study, fellowship with Christian friends, Bible reading. Essentially, we can we can start to neglect our feeding on God and something starts to get a bit dry or we simply have just got caught up in works. We're trying to please God. We've essentially forgotten the gospel of what Jesus has done for us and we've got caught up in what we're doing for Jesus. You know, so I want to remind you, you know, um, Jesus loves you. Jesus enjoys you. There's nothing we can do with, um, to... Um, in the gospel sense, please him and enjoy him. It's just coming back into that place where we can enjoy God again and just to encourage you to find a fresh in worship, listen to worship, bathe ourselves in worship, praise and prayer, serve others for the glory of God, get back into walking in line with God. Um, but do that on the basis not of trying to work your way back in but of enjoying God and loving God because he loves us. Um, and, you know, refer to my previous talk about the invitation of love. Listen to that again, how God invites us into the dance of love. Um, and I want to encourage you to meditate on the gospel message, the pure gospel message. Jesus died for me while I was still a sinner, and he gave me this wonderful invitation that I repented from my sin, entered by faith into new life. It's a wonderful message. And just read Ephesians 4. 
verses 1 to 10. Read it and read it and meditate on it. Listen to the gospel. Find rest in him, joy in him again. Come back into the place of, of just enjoying God and being released from works and coming into rest. And uh, that's the first thing. Enjoy God, because if we don't enjoy God, we will not be his witnesses. Number two, how do we witness? By first walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. In other words, to know when to say something. You know, we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We share our testimony. We share what God is doing in us and we listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit. In other words, just because you're with someone who doesn't know the Lord, it's not necessarily a time where you just keep talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life. You might, you know, you might find that people, well, you might find that people aren't responsive anyway, and you probably will, but better to listen for the leading of the Spirit, and the Spirit may lead you to just listen to people and not speak, to silently pray, to practically help, to offer to pray for them, to advise them according to the way of Christ. You may have an opportunity to say, look, this is what I believe, this is what the Lord says to me, this is how the Lord leads me. I want to recommend you do that. When people in the world who don't know the Lord live in the way of Christ, they will be blessed. It won't save them until they, they repent and um, put their faith in the Lord, but it will bring them into a place with alignment of the Lord. To share, so the Lord may lead you to share your testimony or a story of how Jesus helps you. The, the Spirit may lead you to actually lead them to the Lord by helping them to know how they can put their trust in the Lord by prayer, maybe, praying with them, for them, encouraging them. See, Paul says, one may sow the seed and other waters, but God gives the increase. And elsewhere, I think that um, he writes, one may sow, another reaps. In other words, we are not there to close the deal, but to help people journey to to God through witnessing Jesus' life and love. We need to know that we are maybe a, just a, a time, a little part of the story of that person. The pressure's off. If we become results-driven, we will be discouraged. But if we simply are just being us, taking up opportunities to share and encourage people, share the way of Christ, share our stories, it takes the pressure off. Colossians 4, 2-6 says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. I wonder how many of us pray, Lord, will you open up a door for me today to, to be a witness for you, to share a testimony? It says, and then it goes on, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And then he gives this encouragement. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So we walk in the spirit, we walk in wisdom, we walk in graciousness, making good use of the time. Just refer to my previous talk. There is an urgency so let's make good use of the time. And as so, as the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we shall be witnesses. As we enjoy God, as we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, opportunities will come to you. I've been fortunate to have lots of opportunities to share snippets 
with people over time. And, um, and I don't know where they go. A long time ago, I came to the conclusion that I'm not there to close the deal, but you never know where something might lead. You never know where that opportunity might lead. And, um, and I was in case with one guy, some of you might know, many times, and then I lost contact, and then he called me, said he wanted to chat, came, sat in this hall. By the end of the worship, he had given his life to the Lord. And all I did was pray for him, but even that wasn't really necessary. You never know where it's going to lead. You never know what, what else God has planned for that person. See, when, another thing I've learned is that when people feel comfortable around you, when you make people feel accepted, even in their sinful ways, that they are more willing to be open to ask you questions. When, when we make people feel judged, when we look at them funny or we don't like to be around them because their way is going opposite to the way of the Lord, when they live a certain lifestyle and we just don't really want to, we look down on them or we, we set them aside, something, you know. But when we love people and we accept people, when we, in a sense, invite people to, into our lives, into our, our little orbit, then people start to ask questions. And I've had so many opportunities from a wide range of people where they just wanted to know why we would believe something. And sometimes that can be, uh, we don't believe that. Or sometimes it's like, well, look, this is what the Bible says. And again, you never know, but that's witnessing. So that's be led of the Spirit. And the second thing is how to witness by first walking in Spirit and yielding to the Spirit to know how to live. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live righteous lives. You have to live as people who reflect the glory of God. We need to live as people who are Christ-like. We have to live holy lives. We have to um, live in the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. Galatians talks about that very clearly. You know, there are times of real joy or suffering, Christ is revealed. Often scripture says it's through suffering that Christ is more revealed through our lives. Um, and as we walk in the Spirit, we become confident in who we are in God. You know, we become these witnesses. If people ask you, how do you cope with that situation? You can share your, about your life in Christ. If people ask why you're hopeful, as scripture does say, give a reason for your hope. If we live a Christ-centered life, we we um, will have Christ as our testimony. If our life is world-centered, then we will not have a testimony. So we have to ask ourselves. It's always good. I think James says, test yourselves, whether you be of the faith. It's okay. It's not about being um, looking at your works. It's looking at your faith and where you center your life, where you put your hope, where you put your trust. If it's in the world you'll become world and self-centered. If it's in God, you'll be God-centered. So bringing this to a close, you may say, I'm not an evangelist, and you're probably right. But you are a witness. The hope you have in Christ is our testimony. The help you have through Christ is your testimony. The life you live in Christ is your normality. So get used to sharing that with others as and when prompted by the Holy Spirit. Not everyone will appreciate it 
or respond to it. You may even get gypped for it. They may make fun of you. But as he says in 1 Peter 3, 15, 17, in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. But it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. And so we are ready. We are his witnesses. As we walk in the Spirit, that will happen. So we need to be enjoying God. We need to be um, living holy lives, listening to the Holy Spirit. And, And as I said earlier on, we might suppress the work of the Spirit that enables us to witness And we will suppress the work of the witness by losing our joy in the Lord, focusing our life on ourselves rather than God. We don't feed the life of God in us through fellowship with others, prayer, through scripture. If we live in sin, unresolved sin, uh, we will suppress that ability. And um, these are just opposites to what I've just shared. But the other final challenge, and then um, I'm going to finish in a minute, so... If the worship team could just come and we'll play a song at the end um, just for people just to reflect on this. But the final challenge is this. We need to be around unbelievers. In order to have a witness, that God is not calling us to be a witness just to Christians, although there's a place for that. But we need to be around unbelievers. And that's why our community groups need to be invitational. We invite those who do not know Christ into our lives, into our groups, into our gatherings. You know, so that's why we need to be invitational. So you may not be an evangelist, that's okay. But you are a witness. So let's position ourselves to be a witness. Let's find a fresh joy and excitement in knowing Jesus. Let's be with others as we are able to. Pray for opportunity. Pray for people. Yield to the Holy Spirit. And we shall be his witnesses in Eltham, in London, the UK, and beyond. Amen. I'm going to pray if the guys want to get ready. And Father, something that strikes me from this, these words of Jesus is that as the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we shall be your witnesses. So, Lord, we rest in that. We ask you, Lord, afresh for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us. We ask you, Lord, that you may come and speak, guide, and lead us. Lord, will you give us confidence? Will you help us, Lord, if need be, to come and find that joy of the Lord again? Lord, that excitement of knowing you. Father, will you help us to Uh, Be invitational, Lord, to be around others that they may see your life in us. Lord, that's challenging in these days where we can't be around that many people. But Lord, what it does mean, those that we are around are those people that may be seeing us closely. And so we pray, Lord, for opportunity. We pray, Lord, that you may give us that confidence of being witnesses in these days, that people might see you and we will have an opportunity to testify of your greatness and your goodness. Lord, just pray release on anyone that feels a burden or a guilt.
because they're not doing good enough. Lord, that you will just bring a rest and release them, that they may just be your witnesses of what they have seen and what they have heard as you lead them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to pray that the gospel will go forth from this place and from each, where all this, where the church is gathered and scattered at the moment, Lord, it will be places where your gospel is, I think the word is gossiped abroad. So Lord, will you give us mouths to speak, lives to live, Lord, that we may be your witnesses in Jesus' name. Amen.